And welcome back to Axioms of Liberty podcast, where we dive deep into the most philosophical thinkers to help you build a better foundation to understand your world. And today we're going to continue with the Voluntarist Handbook, Chapter 6, and it's titled, What It Means to Be Anarcho-Capitalist, by Stefan Kinsella. Libertarian opponents of anarchy are attacking a straw man. Their arguments are usually utilitarian in nature and amount to, but anarchy just won't work, or we need things provided by the state. But these attacks are confused at best, if not disingenuous. To be an anarchist does not mean you think anarchy will work, whatever that even means, nor that you predict it will be or even can be achieved. It is possible to be pessimistic anarchist after all. To be an anarchist only means that you believe that aggression is not justified and the state necessarily employ aggression. And therefore, that states and the aggression they necessarily employ are unjustified. It's quite simple, really. It's an ethical view. So, no surprise, it confuses utilitarians. Accordingly, Anyone who's not an anarchist must maintain either A, aggression is justified, or B, states in particular, minimal states, do not necessarily employ aggression. Proposition B is plainly false. States will and always tax their citizens, which is a form of aggression. They always outlaw competing defense agencies, which also amounts to aggression. Not to mention the countless victims, crime laws that they inevitably, and without a single exception in history, enforce on the populace. Why minarchists think minarchy is even possible boggles the mind. As for A, well, socialists and criminals also feel aggression is justified. This does not make it so. Criminals, socialists, and anti-anarchists have yet to show how aggression, the initiation of force against innocent victims, is even justified. No surprise, it is not possible to even show this. But criminals don't feel compelled to justify aggression. Why should advocates of the state feel compelled to do so either? Conservative and minarchist libertarian criticism of anarchy on the grounds that it just won't work or it's just not practical is just confused. Anarchists don't necessarily predict anarchy will be achieved. I, for one, don't think it will. But that does not mean states are justified. Consider this analogy. Conservatives and libertarians all agree that private crime, murder, robbery, and rape is unjustified and should not occur. Yet no matter how good most men become, there will always be at least some small element who will resort to crime. Crime will always be with us, yet we still condemn crime and work to reduce it. Is it logically possible that there could be no crime? Sure. Everyone could voluntarily choose to respect other people's rights. Then there would be no crime. It's easy to imagine. But given our experience with human nature and interaction, it is safe to say that there will always be crime. Nevertheless, we still proclaim crime to be evil and unjustified in the face of the inevitability of its reoccurrence. 
So to my claim that crime is immoral, it would just be stupid and or maybe even insincere to reply, but that's an impractical view. Or, but that won't work. Since there will always be crime, the fact that there will always be crime, that not everyone will voluntarily respect other people's right, does not mean that it's impractical to oppose it. Nor does it mean that crime is justified. It does not mean that there is some flaw in the proposition that crime is wrong. Likewise, to my claim that the state and its aggression is unjustified, it is disingenuous or even confused to reply, anarchy won't work or is unpractical or unlikely to even occur. The view that the state is unjustified is a normative or ethical position. The fact that not enough people are willing to respect their neighbor's rights to allow anarchy to emerge, i.e., the fact that enough people erroneously support the legitimacy of the state and permit it to exist, does not mean that the state and its aggression are justified. Other utilitarian replies like, but we need a state, do not contradict the claim that the state employs aggression and that aggression is simply unjustified. It simply means that state advocates do not mind the initiation of force against innocent victims, i.e., he shares the criminal socialist mentality. The private criminal thinks his own need is all that matters. He is willing to commit violence to satisfy those needs, to hell with what is right or even wrong. The advocate of the state that his opinion that we need things justifies committing or condoning violence against innocent individuals. It is as plain as that. Whatever this argument is, it is not libertarian. It is not opposed to aggression. It is in favor of something else. Make sure certain public needs are met despite the cost, but not peace and cooperation. The criminal, gangster, socialist, welfare statist, and even minarchist all share this. They are willing to condone naked aggression for some reason. The details vary, but the result is the same. Innocent lives are trampled by physical assault some have the stomach for this, others are more civilized, libertarian, one might say, and prefer peace over violent struggle. As there are criminals and socialists among us, it is of no surprise that there is a degree of criminal-mindedness in most people. After all, the state rests upon the tact, consent of the masses, who have erroneously accepted the notion that the states are legitimate. But none of that means the criminal enterprises condoned by the masses are justified. It's time for libertarians to take a stand. Are you for aggression, or are you against it? Nice little short read there. I like it. I like the idea that, you know, because usually when you try to point this out to other people in the world, they always... and more than likely respond with but a world without the state would not be good because everybody would just be doing whatever they want because there was no fear of punishment and I think that is probably the most absurd idea that any individual themselves can 
come to terms in their mind or justify or try to rationalize in any way, shape, or form the idea that we as humans are afraid of other humans doing theft, murder, and robbery. So therefore, we need to employ a third entity to murder, rob, and theft from us initially so that they can protect us from other individuals who are going to do the same exact thing? Like, none of that makes any sense. When you actually break it down, like, what? Listen to yourself. But the problem is most people don't even try to break down these simple concepts into more bite-sized ideas. And they just flat out, you know, negate the idea that if anarchy was a thing, we would all just be running around killing each other relentlessly and that would be the end of the world and I'm gonna have to say that I disagree I think that more individuals would actually have more freedom to do the things that they actually wanted in so far in as every individual themselves were able to protect any and all of their properties to whatever degree that they felt necessary in order to do so because in society today, we have individuals who do not respect property rights. And we see the after effects of laws that are created to protect the criminals from violating other people's property rights in lieu of safety and, um, you know, not initiating the violence. Like, what? Like, take example, California's got SB 255, some crazy legislation bill that's going to fine any individual $20,000 for stopping a shoplifter. What do you think the unintended consequences of such a law are going to create? If people realize that there won't be any societal blowback for their decisions on shoplifting, are you not creating an environment in which shoplifting will be normalized to the extent that everyone everywhere at every possible time is going to be doing this? Like, that is the only conclusion that one could make using just deducement of the incentives laid in front of them and what's going to happen. Because most people don't want to steal. Most people are ashamed that they are stealing. If they are stealing from a place of, I need this food to survive, versus the individuals that I'm stealing this so that I can make a profit and sell it to other people because I just don't feel like paying for it. Like, there's two different individuals in that case of who is actually doing the thieving. Like the people that are going from store to store and stealing $32,000 worth of stuff and serially robbing people. Like, that makes sense that they are the ones that are going to just do it just because and they are going to do it regardless if you try to stop them they are going to fight tooth and nail to get that stuff out of the store versus somebody who's stealing just to steal because they think they can get away with it if you simply walked up to them and said what do you think you're doing they're probably going to drop the stuff and just walk out just my two cents in my experiences with such situations that's usually what happens but since we have such a short article let's just keep trucking along we're going to go to chapter 7 
Six Questions for Status by Stefan Malinox. When considering status objections to anarchic solutions, the six questions below are the most useful. 1. Does the government actually solve the problem in question? People often say that government's courts solve the problem of injustice. However, these courts can take many years to render a verdict and cost the plaintiff and defendant hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more. Government courts are also used to harass and intimidate, creating a chilling effect for unpopular opinions or groups. Thus, I find it essential to question the embedded premise of statism. Do state armies actually defend its citizens? Does state policing actually protect private property? Does state welfare actually solve the problem of poverty? Does the war on drugs actually solve the problem of addiction and crime? Do state prisons actually rehabilitate prisoners and reduce crime? It can be very tempting to fall into the trap of thinking that the existing status approach is actually a solution, but I try to avoid taking that for granted since it's so rarely the case. 2. Can the criticism of the anarchic solution be equally applied to the status solution? One of the most common objections to a stateless society is the fear that a political monopoly could somehow emerge from a free market of competing justice agencies. In other words, anarchism is rejected because it contains the mere possibility of a political monopoly. However, if political monopoly is such a terrible evil, then a status society, which is funded on just such a political monopoly, must be rejected even more firmly, just as we would always choose the mere possibility of cancer over actually having cancer. 3. Is anarchy accepted as a core value in non-political spheres? In my last book, Everyday Anarchy, I pointed out numerous spheres in which societies where both anarchy is valued and defended, such as dating, career choices, education, and so on. If anarchy is dismissed as bad overall, then it must also be bad in these other spheres as well, unless the person criticizing anarchy is willing to advocate for the ministry of dating the value of anarchy in certain spheres must be at least recognized. Thus, anarchy cannot be rejected as an overall negative, and its admitted value and productivity must at least be accepted as potentially valuable in other spheres as well. 4. Would the person advocating statism reform state functions himself? Most of us recognize and accept the right to use violence in an extremity of self-defense. Those who support statism recognize that, in this realm, state police merely formalize a right that everyone already has, namely, the right to self-defense. A policeman can use force to protect a citizen from being attacked, just as that citizen can use that same force himself. However, if someone argues that it is moral to use force to take money from people to pay for public schools, would he be willing to use that force himself? 
would he be willing to go door to door with a gun to extract money for public schools? Would he be willing to extend this right to everyone in society? If not, then he has created two opposing ethical categories. The state police, to whom this use of violence is moral, and everyone else, to whom this use of violence is immoral. How can these opposing moral categories even be justified? 5. Can something be both voluntary and coercive at the same time? Everyone recognizes that an attack cannot be both rape and lovemaking simultaneously. Rape requires force because the victim is unwilling. Lovemaking does not. Because no action can be both voluntary and coercive at the same time, statists cannot appeal to the principle of voluntarism. When defending the violence of the state, statists cannot say that we agree to be taxed and then say that taxation must be coercive. If we agree to the taxation, the coercion is unnecessary. If we do not agree to taxation, then we are coerced against our will. 6. Does political organization change human nature? If people care enough about the poor to vote for state welfare programs, then they will care enough about the poor to fund these private charities. If people care enough about the uneducated to vote for state schools, they will care enough to donate to private schools. Removing the state does not fundamentally alter human nature. The benevolence and wisdom that democracy relies on will not be magically transformed into cold selfishness the moment that the state ends. Statism relies on maturity and benevolence on the part of the voters, the politicians, and the government workers. If this maturity and benevolence is not present, the state is a mere brutal tyranny and must be abolished. If the majority of people are mature and benevolent, as I believe, then the state is an unnecessary overhead and far too prone to violent injustices to be allowed to continue. In other words, people cannot be called virtuous only when it serves the statist argument and then be called selfish when it does not. There are a number of other principles which are more specific to particular circumstances, but the six described above will show up repeatedly. There we go. That was another nice... I love that one. That was good. Um, what I really liked was how <clears throat> it talked about... Where are we, right? Uh, let's see. The the uh, the idea of applying anarchy to every single type of other interaction of humans in the daily. So we, I'm not. It's hard not to say we, but individuals that choose to have statism will choose to justify the state's involvement or intervention into markets for whatever reason it may be, whether it be we need to self-regulate, let's say, coal. 
industries because coal industries are super polluted and if we don't have guys with guns forcing them to make sure that they be clean then the companies are just going to continue to pollute the planet forever and ever amen and comparing that to dating dating is a sphere in which the state has zero interventionism whatsoever so you could say theoretically that the idea of you going out getting dressed choosing the place to go to to try to meet possible and potential mates of your choosing is an anarchal creation like the only reason why you go out to find somebody is because you don't know who it is that could possibly be possibly be out there for you to intervene with or to interoperate with or connect with like you don't know the individuals that are going to be at that place at that certain time on that certain day because it is anarchic like the entire idea of going to a restaurant or going to a bar or going to a concert is very anarchic there's no coordination of other individuals outside of the idea of meet at this place at this time and see what happens but yet we would horror at the idea of some type of government agency setting up people to meet at specific times and specific places to possibly date one another like how can we justify that that type of thing is entirely different from the government intervention into any type of other market out there like that does sound like a crazy thing like if a coal plant whatever whatever creation of any type of company any company creating any type of good is polluting the service if other individuals in the market were made aware of the problem that this company was making why would the market not react in such a way that would just create the idea that everyone just stop purchasing the goods that this person is doing until they clean up their act and stop doing the things that they're doing like we ultimately have the ultimate say whether that company is profitable or not in today's world we don't have that option because these companies quote unquote we have these regulations in place and companies still pollute and still create these problems that get covered up and buried and they're still profitable why because the government intervenes and gives these types of companies subsidies that makes it literally impossible for us as human beings to take our value away from them and bankrupt them and make them go out of business case in point Bud Light we can decide to not purchase Bud Light and choose another brand but why does that not matter why is that not going to bankrupt Anheuser-Busch because Anheuser-Busch owns all these other brands that you could purchase of different kinds of beers they have conglomerated and bought up every other brand that's possible through direct funding of being able to get cheap debt from the government that it doesn't matter which brand of beer you're going to buy you're going to possibly be still supporting Anheuser-Busch even if you stop purchasing Bud Light period there's Harbor Freight and there's Anheuser-Busch and that's and then you have your local breweries 
which usually sell their beer to be distributed by Anheuser-Busch and Harbor Beer. Like, what? They are the only companies out there that are available to distribute beer. So, you see where this kind of ridiculousness kind of comes together? Like, there isn't a free market in the ability of the consumer to withhold their funds from a company that they feel are doing bad things and that company still being able to sustain itself because it's bought out every other competitor. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen that chart of like the eight companies that own every brand of everything that's in a grocery store, like Coca-Cola, Nestle, uh, Pepsi owns all of Frito-Lay and Quaker. Like, this is what I'm talking about. The only way the economy continues to work is that we continue to condense these brands into closer and closer and closer. More and more ever-conglomerate merger companies to where everything just gets consolidated into one giant mythological entity that nobody can ever have any say-so on what to do. Like, this is the problem. But... This is what the unintended consequences of allowing government intervention to choose winners and losers in the marketplace that creates this incentive. So the idea that we allow one type of interventionism in one sphere because if we didn't, the market would create monopolies, but then we just allow monopolies to be created that the government chooses instead? Like, doesn't make much sense. But we would and be horrified if we allowed the government to step into the dating scene and create a, create a system in which the dating scene was set up by the government. But, I mean, could maybe, maybe the government is. Who's to say the government doesn't own tender in some way, shape, or form and is setting up who your matches come up with? Hmm. It's kind of a thought. I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know. Um, I like this other too. The, if the person advocating the statism to perform state functions himself, so people say that we have to have cops to patrol the streets to stop violence, but yet they themselves don't want to do the violence needed and necessary to stop a robber from robbing them, they just love and are enamored with the idea that somebody else gets to do that job for them and therefore when they are violated with their property by a robber, therefore they have a finger to point and say, it's their fault I got robbed and it's not my own because I didn't choose to take the responsibility of my own safety into my own hands and I appointed them to do it so it's their fault and therefore I should sue them and get money out of them. Is that not the culture we've created today? pretty sure it is I can see it all the time like I saw a video the other day that tripped me out I didn't even know this had occurred I guess during the lockdowns there was this uh, cops were driving around in some place where they had issued some type of curfew and people were like not adhering to the curfew so the cops were driving around with like these rubber bullet guns and just randomly shooting people just for the sake of shooting people just because they were out at night because they weren't supposed to be no announcement of we're going to be doing this, just doing it and thinking it's fucking funniest thing they've ever fucking seen. And what do you think happens? They come across somebody and shoot at them 
and that person actually uses a real fucking gun and shoots back to protect himself. And what happens? They get out with their real guns and forcibly arrest this man for choosing to defend himself when he's being shot at by an unknown person, unknown entity for unknown reasons. Like, to me, that's justified. And I saw the article associated with this. That man sued the state and actually won money for them doing what he did because he was justified in his actions. But the state did not condone what the police were doing. They literally were driving around shooting people for the fun of it just because they felt justified in doing so and nobody was going to tell them otherwise. But when somebody, a civilian, shot back at them, it was the end of the world. Like, utter ridiculousness. Um, also, this other one, too, here. I like that, does political organization change human nature? Is that if people have enough care about a topic, whether it be poverty, homelessness, hunger... Um, you know, uh, giving kids books in schools. Like, if these people really care about these things, if these people care enough about them to actually go to the voting polls to try to vote for a said movement, would those same individuals not be motivated enough to actually give money to those institutions and organizations and charities that enable these types of things willingly? without the threat of violence or are they enamored by the fact that they can go to a voting booth and forcibly force every other individual into a situation in which they cannot choose to opt out of that theft to forcibly make the thing happen that they want whatever it may be but we can actually see that even though we do have food banks even though we do have these charities that take care of the homelessness and poverty and helping kids get books in schools like do we still not see people living on the streets people not being able to get food schools underfunded and not able to get books even though we still have all these charities because every individual is poorer to forcibly fund these things so the government has somebody else's money to spend on other people therefore the cost of the those things don't matter and they forcibly spend erroneously and overspend and pay huge contracts up front and don't care about what happens. And what ends up happening is that people just milk that pie in the sky, money forever contracts and nothing actually gets done because there's no oversight on making sure that whatever the idea that they're trying to achieve is actually getting done in the first place. So if we have to rely on the coercive nature of those things to be done, would it not create a situation in which people actually would like to do those things without coercion? I would think so. Well, just some things to ponder. Let me know what you guys think. What do you guys think are the better ways to to destroy the status arguments for the justification for state. Uh, nice little short thing today. 30 minutes, not too bad. I think that's good enough. What do you guys think? You guys liking what I'm doing here? You guys finding value? I am seeing, I am getting some 
some sat streamed on uh, Fountain. I appreciate it. You guys can find me on Noster. If you guys need to, I can put my NPUB in this episode. If you guys want to connect on Noster, that would be great. Let me know. Until next time, guys, keep learning, keep striving to better your world.